Pastor Xavier Reese and some simple steps to walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says, listen, you want to fulfill some law? How about this? The law of Christ. What is it? Love God and love one another as yourself. We can handle this, people. There are many things we can't handle, but we can handle fulfilling the law of Christ by yielding and obeying God's enabling. He never asks you or myself to do something which He does not enable us for. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's one attribute that nearly everyone is born with. It's called selfishness. But all that changes when you join the family of God, especially when it comes to helping one another get out of the traps they've fallen into. It's time to pick up the pieces, not throw your fallen brother or sister away. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the book of Galatians for today's study, The Fruit of the Spirit in Action. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Three simple ways that love manifests itself when a person is walking in God's agape love. First, love reaches out to a sinning brother. Verse 1. Real simple. The particular example Paul uses is that of a Christian falling into sin. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, this implies that a believer is not perfect or sinless after he or she has been born again. We all remain as fallen people. But when we become born again, now we have the ability not to sin, but we still have the capacity to sin. We need to understand that. Now, we know that we still have no excuse because he always gives us the way of escape, but he also knows the weakness and the frailty of our nature, right? And so he is called a faithful, compassionate high priest. Keep that in mind. Every one of us have failed since we've come to Christ. Every one of us fails daily. Every one of us gets reminded daily how we're to respond to others. But somehow we brush it off for ourselves, but not for others. And this happens when we're not walking in God's love. Absolutely. Notice thirdly here in verse 1 that the personal responsibility falls on those who are spiritual. You who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of Gentleness And the counsel of Paul is of the greatest value because he is doing exactly what he is telling them to do. They had been overtaken in the trespass of circumcision by the Judaizers. He just finished talking about it. And he's come alongside with gentleness to woo them back in line with the word of God. And as he is being a doer of this restoration, he is giving them a command to do so to each other. Love reaches out to restore a sinning brother. Notice secondly, love responds to meet needs. Verse 2 and 3. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives Himself. Notice first in verse 2, the Apostle Paul says that God's love is people-centered like Jesus. 
The word bear means to bear what is burdensome. It is in the present imperative, keeps on bearing willingly and sympathetically. The word burdens identifies the situation as a crushing load, which one is unable to bear alone. This is the focus here. This does not imply that we tolerate one another's sins under the guise of love, but in view of genuine failure and a loving attempt to restore the person. Okay? So we're not whitewashing anything. The practice, notice, is consistent with the character of the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. The believers to come alongside and to help those who cannot bear this heavy situation alone. But isn't this exactly what the Holy Spirit does to us? He's called the parakaleo, the parakletus. Para alongside, kaleo to call. The one who comes alongside to help us do the work in John 14, 6, 16, Jesus said. So as the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help us do the work, then that should be an instruction to us to come alongside others to help them in the stuff that's too heavy for them, right? So there's some legitimate things we come alongside to help, and there are some that we have no business messing with, and you'll get to that towards the end. So we need to distinguish the one from the other. So we who are Christians come alongside as we are led, living and walking in the Spirit, to help those weak brothers and sisters out of love. We come alongside. Notice the act of relieving those downtrodden, bruised and broken by sin fulfills what? The law of Christ. Now these guys were getting into law. Paul says, listen, you want to fulfill some law? How about this? You can't handle that one, but this one you can't because you received the Spirit of God. You're already telling them that in chapter 3, right? You received it by the hearing of faith, not the law. You can fulfill this law, the law of Christ. What is it? Love God and love one another as yourself. Because he has given you his spirit. And so the word fulfill means to satisfy the requirement. We can handle this, people. There are many things we can't handle, but we can handle fulfilling the law of Christ. How is it done? By yielding and obeying God's, here's the key word, enabling. His enablement. He never asks you or myself to do something which he does not enable us for. He's not the author of confusion. Who is it that does it? The Holy Spirit. You and I are vessels. That's all we are. We yield. But we're part of it. As Christ who died, not to please himself, we who are strong are to bear the scruples of the weak and not please ourselves. Romans 15.1. We come alongside to help the weak. Those who are spiritual. Are you spiritual? Are you mature? Are you adult in Christ? then this applies to you. This is what James calls the royal law. You should love your neighbors yourself in James 2.8. Notice secondly in verse 3. The apostle gives a warning about not yielding to God's love. In this verse, he reveals the potential of pride that is ever present in all believers. If anyone thinks himself to be something, such thinking is based on pride and love for self. If anyone thinks himself to be something, man is so full of himself, the trinity of darkness, me, myself, and I, no room for anyone else. He reveals the true state of every man and woman when thinking they are something. Listen to him. He is nothing. Robertson, the Greek scholar, puts it very, very succinctly. 
He says he's really a zero. <laughs> Today we might say you're a loser. Notice he reveals the outcome of such thinking. Here it is. He deceives himself. He deceives himself. He thinks he is above helping others. I can't help them. I've got a degree. I can't go down that neighborhood. I live over in this one. He thinks he is beyond the failure. He thinks he is better than others. He thinks this because he is comparing himself to others rather than Christ. That's always a big, big mistake. Self-deception is an overestimation of oneself. Overestimation of oneself. In Totally Hidden Videos, years back, he had these two little, I believe it was China, little Chinese boy and his sister, little, probably five years old, six, something like that. And they're walking along, and it's rainy in a sidewalk, and he's got his little yellow raincoat on and her too, and they got this little umbrella, and they're walking down the sidewalk, and all of a sudden they come to this crevice. And it wasn't real big, but, you know, for little legs, you know, it's hard to get across there. So they're just like that. And so what does the brother do? He gives the sister the umbrella. He lays himself down over the thing and the legs gap. And so she crawls across him to get to the other side. I said, what a beautiful picture of the love of Christ and the love that we're to give to one another. Whenever we think ourselves more spiritual than others, we actually give evidence that we're not, but rather carnal and full of self-love. I have to constantly watch my heart, people. Your pastor has to constantly watch his heart. Always. We are to think soberly about ourselves according to the measure of faith that God has imparted to us, Romans 12, 3 and 10 says. What do we have that we have not received? And if we've received it, why are we boasting? Paul tells the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Everything we have, we receive. And James says, but... Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is God's love, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks himself, or he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. James 1, 22 through 26. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have loved one for another. John 13, 34, and 35. Love meets needs on a very practical level. Read in a concordance when you get home the many one another's in the scriptures. Love one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, exhort one another, rebuke one another. <laughs> one another's. It could be as simple as relieving a young couple who has four kids and giving them a couple hours off so they can go grab a bite. It could be as simple as buying some groceries for someone who's having a difficult time. As simple as cleaning their house when they're laid up. As simple as getting four or five people to go down the street and to paint that elderly person's house who's been all let go for a while. As simple as handing some money very discreetly that they need so badly. It's where the rubber meets the road, people. That's where Christianity is all about. 
Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 45. Of course, that's during the tribulation, but in principle, it still applies. Very important. Love responds to meet needs. If you say, be warm and filled, God bless you. How can we say the love of God resides in us? Now, you can go crazy and try to meet everybody's need. You can't do that. So you've got to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? You've got to go back to God. Notice thirdly. Love recognizes God's sufficiency. Verse 4 and 5. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Now notice first in verse 4, the believer walking in love trusts God to examine his heart. The command implies the ability to hear God's voice, trusting a sufficiency to reveal one's motive of the heart. Because your heart and mine is deceitfully wicked, and Paul says, I examine myself, but I don't trust it if I don't find anything. Because, first of all, I'm biased. Second of all, I'm not perfect. I'll take inventory, but then I say, okay, Lord, I'm fine. But, Lord, you know, if you can find something, and he will. <laughs> and if I'm open, he'll show me. Love is the only thing God honors as the motive for anything done. Love is the motive for which all believers will be rewarded or suffer the loss of reward at the Bema Seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians 4, 5. God's not going to ask you, how much did you do? He's going to say, why did you do it and how did you do it? That's going to be the basis of reward. Pastors aren't going to get up there and God's going to say, well, how many... People, do you have in your church? Oh, about 10,000. And God go, ooh, that's a pretty big church. <laughs> Let me add it up here. No. He's going to say, why did you preach every Sunday? How did you deal with those people? The word but contrasts the previous verse. Rather than being proud and thinking of oneself more highly than he should, he asked God to search his heart, and he is open to being convicted. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says, Lord, search my heart and know if there would be any wicked way within me. Oh, Lord, search me out. Show me. Hmm. The attitude is one of humility as his Lord. The word examine means to scrutinize, to see in order to test if it is genuine or false. And the word is in the imperative, a continuous process. This is an ongoing thing that we need to do, people, all the time. Paul says, I haven't arrived. I, I pressed towards the mark. The word is used of testing metals. I constantly have to rely on the Lord to reveal why I'm doing things. To show me. The command to examine one's own work is regarding what God has called a person to do. I have to know that I'm being obedient to the Lord. God does not call every person to the same thing, does he? God does not gift every person in the same way, right? So I am to examine my work to make sure that I am on target with God. I'm not to be so concerned with, oh, how, how, what are you doing? It's good to know and all that, but that's not my concern. This hand has never asked the foot, hey, what are you doing, man? This hand knows what it has to do. This hand does it. 
Now notice secondly there in verse 4 still, that the believer walking in love rejoices not in another's failure, but in what God is doing in him and through him. Too many people rejoice over people's failure because that's the only way they can be exalted. You know, you always pick someone worse than you so you can end up looking better, right? It's kind of the same thing here. He rejoices having examined himself as to his obedience to what the Lord would have him or her to do. Do you know what God has called you to do? Are you doing it? Are you doing it out of love? Very important. He rejoices in what God is doing and in, in him and through him out of the love of God. See, that's the only thing that he honors. That's the only thing that's going to be effective. And he rejoices in whatever was done knowing that it was done out of love for fellow man. So I do it out of love for God, but then when I communicate it to man, I do it out of love for fellow men also, which is directly sourced in the love of God. One's the extension of the other. And as you know, the word rejoicing simply means to boast or to glory in whatever is done. Now, the word in the negative is evidence of pride and self-love. But here, the word in the positive in our text is evidence of a proper perspective that God is doing the work. When I lift my heart to the Lord and I see God approving, I see God confirming, then I, oh, Lord, you're so, the boasting is in what God has done, not in myself, but I'm rejoicing because I'm on track, I'm on target. I'm in line with the plumb line. That's good. Notice thirdly in verse 5. The believer walking in love will depend on the Lord for carrying out his own cross and follow Jesus. Now we get the other side of the coin. Each one is able to carry their load. Do you know that? Some people are always crying and want people to carry their load. You must carry your own load. All of us are different. Some of us come in to Christ with kids out of wedlock. Others of us come in with a divorce. Others come in with just different things. You, you just fill in the gap. God knows when he saved you and his grace is sufficient and his love is sufficient. You have to depend upon him. On those things that are overburdening and we can come alongside and help you, we will. But there are certain things that we have no business helping you in. You need to handle them yourself. We do that to our children, don't we? If not, we cripple them, right? The word shall implies personal responsibility that is not to be shirked from. And the word load is an old word for a ship's cargo in Acts 27, 10, it's used. It's heavy, but it can handle it. That boat may go two feet in the water, but it can cruise. It'll make it. The word is used of a pack carried by a porter or a soldier on a march. Now, those of you who are in the service, you went on those five, ten-mile runs with your full pack. It was hectic, huh? But you didn't dare quit. And you didn't mess up because you'd have a blanket party that night. You can handle it. Listen, God's going to stretch you. You won't tear. <laughs> but he's going to stretch you. The word is also used in Scripture of Jesus' burden that is light in Matthew eleven thirty. That load that he gives to me in my life is mine alone, and his grace and his love is sufficient. The burden in verse 2 is a crushing load we are to help one another with. The load in verse 5 is each Christian's responsible load in life.
There you have the two sides. No one can bear my load, nor should they. Our own load is given to us in order to reveal the sinful imperfections in our lives, to refine each of us, and to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And God help you if you shirk that and let people always be doing things for you. You need to grow. You need to be stretched. We go to the gym, right? And we overload our muscles. Oh, it hurts. Things popping out and everything else. But we want to overload that baby so that blood rushes in there and it breaks down and tears new. Big, right? And we love it. Why? Because we love how we're going to look. We love self. See? But then... The Lord starts laying some spiritual burdens to make us strong. Oh, Lord, it hurts. Lord, Lord, I can't take it. I can't take it. Lord, no, no, no. Oh, somebody come help me. Help me. Help me. <laughs> come on. Bite the bullet. Let's go. Do you want to be strong spiritually? Do you want to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? At the beam of seat of Christ, we will be rewarded for our motives, not our works. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Our motives, why we did it and how we did it. At the beam of seat of Christ, we will be rewarded for the course we have run. Philippians 3, 12 through 16, it's a custom-made course. How are you doing on your course? Don't let nobody try to run it for you. They can't do it. You've got to run that course. At the beam of seat of Christ, each of us will know that we did not accomplish everything. No one, not one person will be 100% accurate in every work that God had for him in Ephesians 2.10. You know why? Because we're imperfect. I have missed. I don't know how many, but I've missed some. But I'm not trying to miss. I want to grab everything God has. You say, well, why are we going to feel terrible for all eternity? No, because we'll be just like Christ. We're trying to assess something, how we'll feel then with this mind and this body. I'm going to be just like him. I'm going to know but I'm not going to be bummed out for all. No, I can't believe it. No, I'm not going to be like bummed out. I'll be just like him. Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? Only God. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. He's speaking about the difficulties, the persecutions, everything. God. Though the outward man is perishing, the new man is being renewed day by day. That's why we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal, right? And they're far exceeding the way to glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. What's your eyes on? The here and now, the temporal? Nothing wrong with them, but I hope you're not focusing on them. I hope that's not where your treasure is. The person who compares himself to another has a wrong measuring stick. The measure stick is Christ. And is giving evidence that he or she is not wise at all. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 18. Man, don't compare yourself to anybody. You compare yourself to me, you might shortchange yourself. Aim a little higher. <laughs> How about Christ? That's better. So love recognizes God's sufficiency. Absolutely. The love of God manifests itself in these three simple ways when a person is walking in God's love. Love reaches out to restore a sinning brother. Love responds to meet needs, and love recognizes God's sufficiency. 
it can't get any simpler and clearer than what Paul has put it. Pastor Xavier Reese with three simple truths that are a clear evidence of walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And you can get your own copy of today's encouraging message, The Fruit of the Spirit in Action. It's available for only $4 on CD. And this will also include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Fruit of the Spirit in Action. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and mention the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This helps us track the impact of this outreach in your area. And join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 